This is the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Podcast series. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital. services, all right? Uh, before we get into our guest uh, and the results of Paul, let's take a look what's happening traffic-wise. It's quite light this morning. Just a little bit of traffic as they head towards, uh, where is that, Omera on the Church of Roosevelt Highway, Trin City towards Uwe. Uh, the traffic as they head to Aruka Junction and passing through the Mount Hope intersection. Getting a port of space, just a little bit of volume, but that's it. It's pretty light. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. All right. 15 minutes after the hour is 7 o'clock. And welcome to the second hour of the Power Breakfast Show on Power 22 Digital. Paul Richards, Richard Raghavara saying, Wendell, Stephen, and myself, Steve Khan, keeping you company until 9 o'clock this morning. All right. So let's get the results of our morning poll and we'll bring in our guest. Um, well, Richard, you may have been more accurate total than, than I. Richard, sorry guys. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Again. Go ahead, Richard. Um, our poll this morning was whether um, you felt you you agreed with the opposition um, boycotting the local government um, meeting yesterday with the prime minister. Um, so we had nineteen people voting on the poll this morning. Of the nineteen people, sixteen said no. They did not agree with the opposition boycotting. Three people said yes. All right. All right. So now you have it. Of course, you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day and through all programming, and we'll give you the final results tomorrow morning, which will be Thursday, believe it or not. Yeah, pre-Friday. All right. So let's introduce our guest, gentlemen. Wendell? Well, uh, but as I said, I'm using my phone still, so I can't see everybody, but I'm, I'm, our guest is Minister of Digitalization. The Honorable Senator Hassan Bakas, is that our guest this morning? Mm-hmm. Good morning to you, Minister. How are you? Good morning. Good morning to you and everyone. And uh, good to be here on Power 102 Digital and, and getting off to a start to the morning. So, yeah. All, All right. right. Let me introduce you to Dorothy. We haven't heard from Dorothy as yet. So, good morning to Dorothy. Recording in progress. Hi, Dorothy. You know, good morning, Minister. You know, this is you know this is the country's first digital radio station, online radio station. So we're ahead of your ministry. Uh, uh, well, to be to be accurate, and actually, I was one of your first guests. On yeah, the day you of was. Work. I was just going to tell you, you that. So, so I was part of it. So I, I and um, congratulations on doing that as well. Yeah, and we haven't <laughs> spoken to you since then. No, no, we spoke. We spoke. No, we, we did. We, we spoke, spoke once we after spoke. that. That's right. Yeah, yes, after that. Yeah, but we've never had him on camera, have we? No. Yes, we have. We haven't. No. I can't recall. No, we have never had him on camera. No, I've never, I've never appeared on on uh, Digital One or Two on on yeah. on camera. So, but no. I am doing that this morning. So, so now you see the three ugly people I work with. So, but actually, people getting to see you, Minister Bacchus, is too, because we're live on YouTube, Minister Bacchus. Ah, I hour. see. Yeah, well, that's the power of the technology. So, you know, my congratulations on this foray and and continue to improve. 
So, so tell us about an update to what your portfolio has been up to for the last six months. I mean, there's so much expectation on your ministry. It seems to be touted as a minute to the panacea of so many wars in Trinidad and Tobago in so many sectors. Yeah. I know you've been busy behind the scenes because the infrastructure is, is to me, well, it's the most important part to support that. So give us an, an update, if you will, to start, please. Sure, and, and, and thanks for that. Um, the ministry was one year old on July 12th. Uh, the, the separated and independent Ministry of Digital Transformation was one year old on July 12th. And like you say, we've been up to a number of things. Just to put it into context for you, uh, the transformation of the country really requires changes across four main things. Uh, and you know them very well. Uh, people process the uh, plant and machinery, which is basically the technology, and of course, legislation. And we embarked on that change really across three main pillars, digital society, digital economy, and digital government. So to make all this work, you really have to, to, to partner with a number of people. The Ministry of Digital Transformation is not going to accomplish the type of transformation that Trinidad and Tobago requires as an independent entity. Be able to, to, to function has to partner with the private sector, it has to partner with other ministries, government agencies, and so on. It has to partner with civil society, it has to partner with international organizations. So, what we've been up to initially, we had to get the lay of the land. And the lay of the land meaning what exactly is the appetite, the capacity, the readiness for Trinidad and Tobago to become. A digital society and for that we employed a number of, of, of agencies to do that the telecommunications authority completed in january of this year january february of this year its digital inclusion survey we had the we partnered with the undp who uh senator richard and paul you'll be well aware of and the, the types of reports that they produce on 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 a number of things across countries and, and in regions we partnered with them and they completed a digital readiness assessment of the country in partnership with us. We have already started uh, and launched the committees associated with the uh, creation of our next uh, digital strategy for Trinidad and Tobago. The one we have now expires at the end of 2022. Uh, our intention is to complete this exercise and have the new one installed before the next one, well ratified, before the old one expires. In in. For Power 102, for example, let me put it a different, Power 102 digital to function uh, and to operate in this space in the way it does now, it is reliant, for example, on ubiquitous broadband across Trinidad and Tobago, and of course, well, the world, the wider world. So part of our digital uh, society space is to ensure that that actually happens. And we've been making strides with that. Of course, you would recognize that government doesn't own a network. It has to do that in partnership with the service providers. and you will understand the dilemma or the, the toing and froing that can happen in that space. Think about this, uh, if you will, guys. Think about working with a service provider that is making its money on the sale, primarily of broadband and broadband services. And here is the state asking that same service provider to listen, partner with us to provide that service for, for minimal cost or free to the general public. You could understand where the, the you know they're concerned about revenue, they're concerned about their business model, and then of course the government's concerned about making services available across the board. Other things, and one of the things that we're really proud about, as late as yesterday, we launched uh, another of the, our ICT centers. Our intention is to get to fifty within a short space of time. But those ICT centers are really, really important. And in the last couple of months, we've launched three, and there are a number that will be launched before the end of this month, and a number before the end of the year. And these are happening in so yesterday, the one was done was in Cayman, uh, in, in the district of St. Joseph. Before that, we did Lisa's Gardens in Coover. We've done Belmont, uh, a number of them. And the idea is that these are places where you can go to without any, any devices, without anything. There are computers there sitting for you. Uh, they have access to things, printers, scanners. And more importantly, they have people there who are trained to assist you in what you do. Uh, and it's, it's happening, it's going on all over. So, I mean, there are a number of things we're dealing with, the national security pieces specific to cybersecurity across our ministries, divisions, and agencies. We're partnering with other ministries to make sure that the infrastructure and uh, other pieces that they have that will support 
the, the types of services they want to have, those things are being built and readied and fixed. Uh, and in some cases created rationalizing things such as trying to coordinate the way in which the purchasing in the, is done by the state. Think about Minister, you know, I'm, I'm hearing you and I'm hearing all of the, the putting in of the hard work to get the country ready for whatever digital transformation. But for a lot of citizens, I don't think that they see any real improvement in their lives as a result of digitization at this point. A simple issue is of senior citizens who receive the grant having to go in to sign life certificates in ministries, which is ridiculous and atrocious in 2022 that you can't tell if somebody is alive or not unless they come in and say, hi, I'm alive and sign a form to get a grant from the government. Absolutely so, ridiculous. So, and, the, no, so Richard, not, not to stop you, but the impact of these things, and you have to look at it, it across, but let, let's, let's start there. One of the things that we have been doing with and was engaged with and continues to be engaged with, with the Ministry of Family Services and Social Development is the creation of an ISEM system. Now, that is meant to revolutionize the way in which citizens interact with that ministry. Remember, the mandate of this ministry is really to create a new way to address the end-to-end delivery and consumption of goods and services uh, to customers, and customers in this case, citizens, public officers, etc., using appropriate digital technology. One of the major projects of this ministry is what we call the e-identity. And what we are trying to do in that case, what we're doing, is to create a way in which you are known uniquely to the state. Why is that important? Because now, Richard, there's nothing you have in your wallet, whether it's driver's permit, ID card, things you have at home, your your birth certificate, that uniquely identifies you as you. And this is why in 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 the private sector, you have to work with multiple ways of identifying yourself to the state. If I take your driver's permit and walk into somewhere, if we look reasonably alike enough, there's no way you can tell you're not the same person. The coordinate- I, I thought the bird, Minister, I thought the bird paper pin did that. Well, you walk with, let me take your bird paper and walk into our office. How will mm-hmm. they know that it is mine? There's no picture on it. There are no biometrics yeah. on it. What I'm, and this is what I'm trying to say to you. When, a lot mm-hmm. of things that we take for granted. Let me, let me just say this your driver's permit, well, your driver's license now mm-hmm. is a requirement because you want to drive. And it is a requirement to drive on the roads of Trinidad and Tobago. It identifies you to the Ministry of Works and Transport Licensing Division. It doesn't identify you to the Ministry of Health. It certainly doesn't identify you to the Ministry of Finance. Your mm-hmm. ID card, you only require it if you plan to vote or you don't need it. It identifies you to the Election and Boundaries Commission and all of those things associated with it. Your Passport, you don't need one unless you plan to travel or if you have traveled in any time or you wish to travel. It identifies you to the Immigration Division, Ministry of National Security. And the three things are not the same. So part of the infrastructure and solutions that we have to develop are robust, secure, and, and, and finite ways in which ministries are able to exchange information so that the services that you want the public to be able to, to receive uh, can be done seamlessly to them. Very few services that you go to for the state starts and ends in one ministry. Very few. Mm. Is, there, is there a timeline for the completion of that project of e-identity? Because I guess from what you're seeing, it has impacted every particular sector, including transport, health, finance, across the board. Because, I mean, one of the lamentations we were going through this morning is the much-touted immunization, COVID immunization cards that never came to fruition. The pandemic basically come and go on and we yet to see it. Although it was promised and six months and six months, and I'm not blaming your ministry for it, but in terms of what Richard asked earlier, the end user who are members of the public are awaiting these because when you hear, and it's probably unfair to you because the ministry is a relatively new ministry, what the benefits are tangibly for us and when we can expect them. So the, the thing is, and this is not a big bang approach. The idea is we, we are working with ministries at an individual level to create and make the services that you want to consume end to end and digital. 
when a lot of a lot of the things that we have, there are over a hundred and something services that are available online right now. But again, the issue is, does the average citizen know that? How do they know where to go to access them, et cetera, et cetera? There's a massive communication uh, program that has to be rolled out for this. But to answer your question more specifically, as it relates to e-identity the, and the inter-exchange inter uh, operation that we have to do, we currently have Estonia on the ground with us. Uh, you, you keep hearing about this partnership, this memorandum of understanding that we did with Estonia. Uh, they are actually working with us now on the ground, completing something that should be done within maybe the next six weeks. Once that is done, uh, we are in a position to start to put in uh, the infrastructure and the use cases associated with that. So I would say uh, by this time next year, we should be well on the way with having EIDs distributed and, and being used, not just creating it for having it safe, but it being used as a primary way in which you access government services. It is so, going to have so, to be voluntary because the legislation that is required to make it mandatory, we cannot get through. Ballot. So it's a new ID card being created? No, it's not a new ID card. It's a new way to identify you. Uh, you don't need a card to identify yourself to the state in an, in an electronic world. Is, so, it, is, it like a, is it akin to like the social security number in the United States? It, the, the, the uniqueness of the identity can be described that way, yes. Um, okay. so that if you if you want to access services in the US, you probably have to use your social security card, but it's actually the number you use to identify. Right, it's the number. Yes, yeah. in this case, it's all electronic. So you can have a card. That is one of the options you have. We can, we can produce cards that you can represent your ID on, but you don't need one. Mm. You simply can do all of this online. So for where you are, Wendell, where you uh, on any electronic device you can identify yourself and be able to access goods and services the intent is for all of this to be able to be done remotely and via any electronic device mm. um, think about renewing your driver's permit right now the only thing you really can do with that is concerned is to uh, make the you have to make an appointment online so that's one thing but the technology to be able to uh, complete that transaction completely online already existed. Mm -hmm. But to enact that requires that we have to make changes within legislation to allow for that because the laws as they were written required certain things to be done. For example, certain forms must be signed by a motor vehicle officer. Electronic yes. signatures, while in reality, still has to be ratified uh, as a mechanism of operations across all government ministries, divisions, and agencies. So when you think about the four pillars that I spoke about before, the four main pieces, the people, the process, the plant and machinery, and the legislation. In the case of that, if you interview Commissioner Clark anytime, he will tell you, a lot of the technology to make a lot of these things automated exists. So that takes care of the, of that, of the, of the plant and machinery part. You may have issues relative to legislation to, make, to change that, to make sure that it can be done legally. And of course, you have issues relative to process, which then says, this is how you now do this as a digital process. And then, of course, you have to educate the people. And this is how you are able to now access this service. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. How would you, as Minister of Digital Transformation, rate the equitable distribution of digital broadband availability in Trinidad Tobago? We saw during the pandemic, one of the major challenges to educating the particularly school-age population at primary and tertiary level was that uh, equitable and reliable, consistent broadband availability. How would you rate it? So the technology really lives across a number. It stands on a number of things. Where you are uh, right now, Paul, if with, with your laptop working and your internet on and you lose power, you have a problem. Commercial supply is an example of, of the things that impact uh, service. So I want to talk to it specifically in terms of service. At the recently held Canto, a representation was made that to Trinidad and Tobago, uh, populated areas is about 92% covered with broadband. Notice the word I use, covered. I think if you go to the TAT website, I think it says 88%. That number continues to grow. But what you are speaking about is not coverage. You are speaking about availability of service and the ability so to use. For that, you need a number of things. So the coverage is there primarily. You need a device that is capable for you to be able to use it for the type of service you want to do. A phone is not a good thing to use to, to do schooling. 
for example. So you need, so the availability of devices comes into that. The affordability of the service that exists. Put up in there. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that there are several countries that treat that availability and access as a right because of its impact on their individual development processes for children, education, health services, the 100 plus services that you identify government presently offers. Mm -hmm. Is it the mandate of your ministry or the government of Trinidad-Tobago to ensure that a basic level broadband service is available to the whole country because of the impact, particularly for persons in the lower socioeconomic groups who may not be able to afford for any many different reasons broadband and also for their general development in the country? The answer to that is yes. If you go back, and it wasn't even declared by this ministry, if you go back to uh, the Minister of Finance's budget speech last year, he would have declared broadband as a public good. And that is that is exactly what it is. The UN is trying to ascertain that broadband is as essential as any other air, water, electricity. And, and I believe that to be actually so. You can't have a digital society without ubiquitous access to broadband. But you are absolutely right. Uh, that is, and, and again, it's being done in conjunction with the Telecommunications Authority and the service providers. The, the Telecommunications Authority has a fund that is their specific, well, not for that only, but is being used primarily in a lot of cases by the authority to create and promote and build the necessary infrastructure uh, required to for areas where the service providers would not necessarily go because it's not economically viable for them. That is where all those things come in. And we're doing it at the level of the ministry. We're doing it at the level of, of the telecommunications authority. And I will dare say that the service providers themselves have been very, very cooperative uh, in, in establishing that. The issue becomes, and that's the point I think you're raising, the issue becomes, while now the service is readily available, can I, as a person of this type of means, afford to have what is required? Can well, the, the thing about that is that there are countries around the world who think it's, as you say, so essential as water, food, mm. electricity, that mm. it should be available, provided by the state for free, in government agencies, government buildings, in all schools, etc. So, and in rural areas through the, I know TSTT at one point touted we're going to have all these free Wi-Fi areas. I think they do one or two. They do around the Savannah, which ain't working now, and they do Woodford Square, which is sporadic. When... When, when it should not have been focused in, and this is not your portfolio, it should have been in rural areas where there is a real need and a deficit in e the e economics to, to provide for those people. That's so, where you have every creed and race find an equal place truly in Trinidad Tobago. So you're, you're right. And it is a mandate, and I, I wouldn't put this on any other ministry, because in the digital society piece of what we are creating, we have to ensure that that happens. So primarily, it still falls to this ministry. The, the TT Wi-Fi project that is going on now within the ministry is designed for just that. But let me tell you why the implementation of it was delayed slightly. The, 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 the data that we were using to identify unserved and underserved areas was from 2013. The Telecom Authority sought to deal through its inclusion survey uh, how that we have a modern uh, view of that particular set of, 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 of metrics. So right now we have information from 2021 that identifies underserved, unserved, uh, and well-served areas. And it looks different than it did in 2013. And that is because, uh, team, the, the usage, the way in which citizens, the way in which businesses, the way in which the whole of society uses broadband has changed significantly and even more so as a result of COVID. So an area that in 2013 that was considered well covered, had all of the amenities that you want, have now become, has now become because of just demand for the service, an underserved area. So now that we are armed with that, our list of areas that are unserved, underserved, and so on is now up to date and correct. And we are negotiating now with the service providers to, and with the telecommunications authority using their funding. What percentage of the country will, will, is now considered based on that data? underserved and you want an example of an area no what percentage of the country is now considered underserved you know i, I would have to check and tell you that i don't but it, it is in the report and i'll tell you uh, paul 
it is an underserved in this case is not that it's not covered but it's probably not necessarily has all the capacity that's required for the services in which they, they were set um well, it, bet, might be close, but it might be closer to 25 percent paul but i have to check it i don't i can't tell you that could you that. give us an example of an area certainly not toko easy straight up the top of my head toko there are mm. areas even closer into parts of St. Augustine. Because of the, the topology, if I go to Tobago, it's, it's, it's even worse. Because of the topology of Tobago, you will find that primarily a, a, a lot of the services that are provided there are provided via wireless means. And you have limitations where that is concerned. All of that copper that TSTT is removing, for example, if you have broadband service on that copper, it can't be good for anything. So any area, for example, that is primarily served by copper, apart from the fact that people teeth in it every day and every night, which means it's working. But if you are getting a broadband service by a copper, it cannot be that it will provide you what you need to do uh, for, for a modern society to use ICT service. So that's yeah. why it's that extensive. It has to change. Wherever you have fiber, it's fine. But then you have a different question. When you have fiber, you're talking about affordability. Is it and a plan to have broadband access at all government agencies buildings because schools. that that also courthouses schools yes hospitals, hospitals. So that is also an, an aspect of the tt wi-fi project and it also includes other places for example uh, areas where people congregate for services like ptsc city gate is a place that you should have that the the, the thing you referred to before uh, was really dealing with smart spaces. You're talking in that case about areas where people commune and congregate. That 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 type of service would be required. Um, they had done the Savannah. They had done Woodford Square. They had done a number of other places. Uh, they had done the Avenue, for example. So so the idea behind it, though, but primarily government place. If you go to Mount Hope, your ability to communicate should not have anything to do with whether you have money on your phone. You should be able to access services and send things and send messages and receive it. And that is the idea behind that, that for those types of places, as you have mentioned, uh, we focused on doing that. And we've done a number of them. Libraries are already more or less completed. Uh, taking the service into the communities is happening at these same ICT centers that we're putting in. And we're not binding ourselves to using the traditional technologies. We have white space uh, surveys that are going on now to provide these services using different technologies than traditionally used, but that are more suitable for the areas and the places and the consumers that want to consume the services. But why is this such a secret, Minister? Well, why, why is what such a secret? Why, what, what are your, what you are revealing to us this morning, mm -hmm. the places that, that, that you can access it? Why is it such a secret? Uh, and that, to, part of that is, is communication. I think the, 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 the government's ability to communicate what it is doing needs to improve. That, that's just the basis of it. That's the way around that. But more so, what I think has happened to us is that we have become so idea of putting information in a place and they will find it. I, so a, a good example is if you want to know all of the grants that are available in Trinidad and Tobago, you know where to go to find it. It, the idea is, but this is my point. You, you, you kind of put the information and then you expect people will find it. This is the kind of thing that of information that comes to us coming out of these readiness assessment surveys that people want to use the technology. They would love to use it. They, they don't know one if it's there for sure. But even so, uh, they, they don't know where to find the information to use it. A key initiative, uh, Paul and Wendell, that I did mention and Richard, that I did not mention at all, has to do with the fact that we have to develop and create a, a, a help function for people. If you are trying to use a government service, for example, online, you're trying to do something online and you're not getting through, something has happened. Where do you go for help? And that is the kind of thing that has to be, that is being built now. So that even if, while the other services are being created, people need help with the services that exist. But then does not speak to the evolution of the mandate of an agency, I think under your ministry's purview, which is iGovTT. Is not what iGovTT providing services, information, connection to services, help about services, etc. So they so iGov is a special special purpose company, if you want to look at it that way. It's really there to deal with uh, a lot of the build out of ICT uh, and its 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 implementation across 
government agencies. It's, it's set there specifically to do that. And it does have a help function and it does have a support function, but it's not for all services. So the ones that are under their purview, sure, you could call them, you want help with something that is TT BizLink, et cetera, you can get that. But if, if it is something, for example, the Ministry of Agriculture, you want to apply, you're applying to be for, to be a farmer, to register as a farmer, and you're not- But isn't that confusing the public? An agency called iGovTT- so, Exactly. Does so, not so, provide services for all of government services. Doesn't that seem like a contradiction to you? Yeah, and that is because of the evolution of how it went. So what we are doing now at the ministry is to actually rein that back in and create a single... So there'll be no wrong door. Effectively, what, you, what we're building is called a one-stop shop for the assistance that you would need. iGov is a key part of that. They have to build it. But it doesn't mean that iGov has to run and operate it. And I think that is where, where I think iGov found itself. It became an implementation agency. It became a maintenance authority. It became a support agency. It became more things than it was designed to do initially. And, and to my mind, for some time, was capable to do. So we had to refresh that mandate. Uh, and we're doing that while they are still effecting a number of projects uh, within the digital space. So you're right. It has to change and the mandate is changing. We have a new board in place. Uh, we're looking for an offer of, of substantive CEO. We have someone acting there who has been doing the best that he could as well. Good guy. But the idea behind it is that the way in which iGov operates has to now be in line with the type of services that they have to provide. It's like a structure. You build a structure that is built to, for an organization that is built to deliver on its strategic mandate. We have adjusted that strategic mandate. So tactically, they have to change. And obviously, philosophically, they will have to adjust to be able to implement it. Mm. What, 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 what place does 5G and those emerging technologies, because 5G is not static, there's development going on to um, improving upon 5G. Um, what place does that have in a Trinidad-Tobago landscape? Because it seems as if we are behind the curve in that. Even though I know TSTT did a big launch of 5G in 2018, we're now in 2022, so it's indicative of the country and, and how it seems lackadaisical we are about having tunnel vision in making things happen. If you, well, coming from the, the telecom sector, actually I was in that launch in 2018. 5G is, and, and you're absolutely right, Richard, is an evolving thing. Uh, the implementation of 5G that exists in Trinidad and Tobago is fixed wireless 5G, it's really on the fixed side, it's not for phones. It's really designed to go uh, to buildings, to areas, to general things. And of course, it is portable, but it is not mobile. So that's one thing. And the reason why 5G is important is because it provides very high speeds with very low latency, meaning that one of the things I've done, you can, you can do your broadcasts, for example, using 5G technology, and it will have no delay or very little delay in doing it. So the applications for it are real. But for the general population and the way in which we consume services primarily via mobile devices, uh, I think the service providers are looking at that and saying the required investment to move from primarily 4G LTE, which is where all the service providers are, Digicel and, and uh, B-Mobile, uh, the, the investment to move to that where they require change out of handsets, uh, all of that, that cost that they have to bear, they haven't found the, 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 the value in making that switch for the way in which the consumers operate here. The telecommunications authorities website, if you go to it, you'll see the penetration of smartphones in Trinidad and Tobago. We have extremely high uh, mobile phone penetration, over 140 something percent which means basically everybody almost have two phones. But when you look at that in terms of penetration of smartphones, it's also very high, extremely high. A lot of people have these real fancy phones, even 5G capable phones. When you compare that to the number of people who actually have uh, uh, data services who have those phones, that number falls tremendously to the teens. So even though all of that, all of that 4G LTE high-speed broadband access is available, very few of the phones that exist that are capable of receiving it are actually registered on plans that can use it. And if that continues to be the case, 
unless there is some particular service that is absolutely essential that will run on 5G. Its primary utilization in Trinidad and Tobago, from where I see it, will remain within the fixed wireless space, where, for example, in the new industrial park, it will be covered by 5G technology. And that coupled with the, the innovations in IoT and wideband and narrowband IoT is also something that will happen, but it will really be focused on industry and business and not necessarily on the consumer. Once the take up for, for data plans and those things on these very smartphones remains that low, uh, there will be no business case that could be made to introduce that technology. Minister, mm. just give us quickly a sense of the, the, the boards, the state boards that would fall under your ministry, because I, I got falls under your ministry now, right? The only two, the, the, the only two agencies that will fall under the Ministry of Digital Transformation uh, that have boards would be the IGOV and the Telecommunications Authority. Both, well, the Telecommunications Authority is more or less an independent mm -hmm. regulator, regu regulator, and IGOV is really under our control but run by a board. Those are the right. only two. So in terms, in terms of your communication access, you depend solely on the Ministry of Communication? Well, I would prefer if it was that way. Uh, but most ministries, divisions, and agencies have their own communication arms that mm -hmm. build and develop their own, yeah, their own programs, their own plans, their own have their own contractors who provide the services. Isn't that part of the problem, though? That there doesn't yeah. seem to be there doesn't seem to be a strategic coordinator for government information, so that when you have how many ministries you have? Uh, what? 20, yeah, over, 20, over 22. 23? 22 ministries 23. and the Ministry of Communication mm -hmm. all shooting disparate bits of information at the public. I mean, it's no wonder it's, it's lost in the maze. I, I believe that the Ministry of Communication run by, by Minister Dino Briga, uh should have more control than it does, but there are, there are things that are a footnote uh, to address that. And th those things are well advanced. And that is, and, and, and Paul, get to think about this. The Ministry of Digital Transformation could enter into uh, as part of its communications uh, requirements or fulfilling its communications requirement, enter into a contract with uh, Power 102 Digital. We could, sign, we could sign that now. So we could do that on our own. And then... Um, the Ministry of Agriculture goes to another place, goes to another place, uh, and we have state media as well. But the messaging, the the, the touch and feel, the, the the way in which it's done, the the difference between your target audiences and how the messages are crafted, uh, all of that I believe has to fall under a common strategic cover. And unless that is so, what you end up with is either messaging that is not consistent or messaging that can easily be interpreted in different ways. In other words, one ministry saying to do this and another saying to do something else. Mm -hmm. The Ministry of Communication will, will have to assume that role, and it will. I, I, from where we're going with this, more and more of the way in which those things have to be crafted will have to come out. In that what, what legislation, because you, you mentioned the four pillars, which makes, when you uh, delineate it like that, it makes sense, people, process, legislation, and plant. And plant and machinery. Yeah, plant and machinery. Yeah. What bits of legislation do you expect to be coming to the parliament? I mean, there, there's some financial services that are such integral to modern life when you think about that we've had challenges with in Trinidad Tobago because of the legislation that needs to be passed. Uh, yeah. we, just, we just passed, you would know, the, the uh, some level of... Uh, financial transfers with uh, digital signatures, but it's, it, it is not all, you yeah. know. Uh, while the ministry can do so, ministry to ministry, person signing a check, I to Richard electronically, is still not on the agenda. So what, what legislation can we expect from your ministry in the foreseeable future? So there's a raft of legislation to come. Um, Paul, you would, as being part of the Senate, you would appreciate the challenges that we would encounter as we and as we have tried to bring uh, legislation that requires that would tamper or interfere or, or change things within the constitution that would require any type of special majority, um, uh, special majority support to be able to do it. So, in in for example, a, a simple one would be if we want to do as part of our um, rollout of e-identity to collect biometrics, 
we'll have to make adjustments to the legislation to do that. We can't just go to you and, and say, listen, you can volunteer to give it to us, but we can't demand that you give us your fingerprints and your this and your that and the other. Those things would require changes that would require changes to the constitution. Uh, whether or not I and, and the government will be, be able to convince all parties involved to support that remains to be seen. But simple majority legislation we can do. But in terms of what we have, electronic transactions is there, that's been there and we've been making changes to that, that is significant. Uh, data protection is there. We have some that we have to repeal the computer misuse act. The number of, uh, the, the, well, what I can do, I, I have a matrix of over 30 something pieces of legislation that either need to be repealed, replaced completely, amended or adjusted in, in this case. And we, we have helping doing that. Obviously the Ministry of Attorney General Legal Affairs is it's helping us there, but we have international help as well. The ITU is helping us, the World Bank is helping us, uh, the IDB is helping us, uh, a number of places. And we gain technical support out of, of all the banks are helping us as well, CAF. For example, you have seen the big announcement recently with CAF. So a lot of that legislative change requirement is, have, is going to have to be craftily done so that we don't impinge and where, where, unless it's absolutely necessary, find ourselves requiring constitutional majority. But it's a, it's a raft of legislation, Paul, and I can easily send it to you. It's, it's over 50 something pieces. Are you, are you satisfied, Minister? that Trinidad and Tobago is energized enough in this transformation because this transformation is key to your competitiveness, not only in the Caribbean region, but globally. And of course, there are many countries that are ahead of the curve in terms of their digitization process, in terms of how they have um, included technology in not only their services, that, but, but um, how businesses function, how, how, how every, so many things that are ancillary that are connected to the technology. Are you satisfied that Trinidad and Tobago is energized enough in becoming competitive, even in the Caribbean region or the hemisphere? So that is one of the things that came out of the UNDP survey, and it was surprising the way in which Trinidad and Tobago was ranked in the scale. Again, that is uh, the, there is a dashboard that is being created. It's not up yet. The UNDP will do it, but the report is already there. And it, it identifies a couple of things. One, that the public in Trinidad and Tobago is, is receptive to what we're trying to do. Uh, it indicates that it is somewhat ready to do it. That is the digital IQ of the citizen is sufficient that if as, as we move along with the digital transformation requirements, that they can move in step with it. Not everyone, but a significant portion of the, of the of the society is set for that. There is also fear. When we speak about digital transformation, when you look at it at an individual level, people start to become concerned. Well, I wonder what will happen to my job if they're, if they're going to replace me with a computer. And it creates, fear creates a type of resistance that is there. It is the, it is the responsibility of the ministry to embark on a significant enough, uh, communication and education campaign so as to one, in some cases, remove the fear through education and identifying what is actually being done. And then secondarily, to be able to demonstrate and to have people prepared for what is going to happen. I talk about outriding your headlights. You have to be careful. If we go too quickly in doing this, significant portions of the population can be marginalized. The, the one place where that could happen easily, and Paul mentioned it, is in financial transactions. A significant portion of the people in Trinidad and Tobago either unbanked or underbanked. And if we make the mechanism by which you access government services only through electronic transfer and so on and so on, we have to make sure that there are mechanisms for people who cannot, there's one more piece, the unbankable. People will never be able to get bank accounts. We, if we want to move forward as a society together, all of those things have to be put in place and are being put in place. No. We run out of time and I just want to cover one more point from my perspective, Richard may have, and Wendell may have other questions. How much emphasis in your ministry is being placed on innovation and inventiveness? Because there are jurisdictions that have used their digital transformation mandate to also create a new growth pool in their countries. Yeah, so the digital, the digital economy piece is really focused on that. Um, the, in, the initiatives inside of there, such as the developers hub, etc., is exactly that. 
the, the main resource that you, we plan to exploit in our pursuit of, of the digital, of changing the digital economy, meaning changing the contribution of ICT sector to GDP, it's around 3%, is to really make that bigger. And to do that, the resource that you need to do that is people. You're not gonna import, what we are very good at in Trinidad and Tobago is transforming existing technology into something else. But in the, in the places that I've been invited to, to look at things, in Kariri, for example, I know um, uh, Atlantic LNG does it and so on, with these things that they have where inventiveness and innovation is a part of what they do. It will surprise you, Paul, Richard, and Weller, if you look at what our own Trinidad and Tobago people, quote unquote, untrained people, are able to create and develop. And the only way that is going to transform into something larger than that is if the, the state, in this case, in partnership with the private sector, provides the ecosystem, the training, the marketing opportunities for that to come to fruition. And that is also already underway. Uh, the developers hub is, as a matter of fact, our intention is, by the way, all these technologies we're talking about, we're not, a lot of it is going to be built by our own people. The, term I use is by Trinidad and Tobago, for Trinidad and Tobago and the world. A number of companies, international companies, I, I, had, I spoke to some of recently, we, we're working on this nearshoring idea and what they have been doing is coming to Trinidad and Tobago, using our graduates and people who have the skill and talent in this to create services for themselves to sell to other people within this country and other parts of the world. So the, the, the model that you, you're talking about, Paul, is the model that we are going, that we're using now and we are going to continue to develop as the way in which we increase this, the contribution of ICT to the national economy. But how serious are we really, Minister? Mm. And I put this in the context of WePay, which is a Trinidad and Tobago innovation along the ICT framework that you're talking about, who had to move to Jamaica. Because the yeah. Trinidad and Tobago infrastructure and bureaucracy was not welcoming out of an innovation that was indigenous. Jamaica saw the value. And I could, I could add to that, Richard. I spoke to him at a conference three weeks ago, and he said he was disheartened. Young man from Point Fourteen went to school in the U.S. and wanted came back home and made a very innovative product, and was frustrated by the system and the bureaucracy here so that he had to take it elsewhere. And he's working with Jamaica, he's working in Barbados, and they are so much more welcoming of his innovation. My understanding is that they've also made significant forays into the US. Um, but I, I really don't want to comment on WePay for, for, for various reasons. Uh, but the idea of creating a more welcoming uh, environment for and for that same ecosystem we're talking about for business is actually something that is is being incentivized through through financial means it's being adjusted to in the regulations relative to how simple it is to register and do businesses now if you want to have a good example of that have a look at the ministry of trades new website and app there's nothing about starting a business getting a business done whether it be import export anything that you can't do or find out on that website. I challenge all of you to do it. And it was built, strangely enough, using an international company with Trinidad and Tobago, young people doing it. I met them myself. But who's going so, to tell the public that? That's, it, that, uh, that really is the problem there, no minister. Who's no, telling I, the public that? What you just said? So so all of that type of information, and this, again, I am saying to you, um, a significant pillar for success for what we have to do is communication. People tend to leave it out, but it is, it is. Because even if we built all of the systems today and nobody knew about it, nobody knew how to access it, nobody knew how to use it, how to go if you wanted help, then we would not have achieved the mandate. That commons piece is as important as the technology. Yeah, yeah, because people ask me that on a regular basis. What's the process for this? What's the process for that? And I, well, I, I naively sometimes tell them, go and check the website of that ministry. So, and again, think about that. We are now looking at all of the websites for all of the ministries, for all of the agencies in Trinidad and Tobago. Make yeah. sure they're secure, make sure they have accurate information, make sure the, the, the things that you're clicking on them working. Mm -hmm. All of that, we are, all of that has to be shored up. Think about the Ministry of Digital Transformation promoting that you can do all these things. 
they're within the purview of the ministry that for which the service is being provided for and it not working because something else is wrong in the back it still comes back to this front ministry as the one that says listen you tell us go to do this and it's not working all of that had to be shored up and is being shored up protected secured uh, mm -hmm. making sure that cyber cyber you know the the, the the massive proliferation of cybercrime that going all over the Caribbean and all over the world, but primarily targeted at businesses and governments in, in, within the region. We have been spared relatively from that, but a lot yeah. of that has to do with the preparedness of what we do. But, but, but you too, Minister, you have to work on your on your communication. Because every time we speak to you, we're impressed. We hear yeah. what's happening. You understand? Um, clearly, you have a, a hands-on knowledge of what's happening at your ministry. But until we hear from you, we don't hear anything in between. No, so so again, I I support you in that. I think we have not done enough to identify not only what the ministry is doing, but what the people of Trinidad and Tobago are doing relative to the 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 the, the movement towards digitalization. And mm -hmm. and it it falls on me to do that. And becomes departments that we have. We're still building out the structure of the ministry. Just to be mm -hmm. clear. We, the focus is on a number of things, but we're still building out the, the actual structure of the ministry. It, it's interesting to be the number of people that it takes to run a ministry, just as the ministry. You know. I feel, I feel now that my local government is coming to end, I'll have to come and have a chat with you. I would, I would um, well, you don't need to wait for your local government days to come to end. <laughs> you could come and chat with me. I, I mean, I... <laughs> I, we have a very open ministry and it's a very partnership. Mm. We don't believe we have all the answers and we know mm. we don't. So any input that we can have where we can have reasonable discourse uh, and do it in a, with a sense of, of trying to move Trinidad and Tobago forward, I am open to speaking to them. Yeah. And Wendell, you're more than welcome. Uh, uh, Minister, yeah, Minister I have Andre sent us a message here a while ago. He said, oh. TT Connect has been done for the last three months plus disrupting uh several government services can the minister say when it will be fixed and i actually so, did go to ttconnect.gov.tt uh, and unable to log on to get in yeah so it's not three months uh, that's not really it's really been more like uh five weeks that it has been done there has been a catastrophic uh here there was there was uh again there were releases from igov releases from and the two main uh Things that would have been affected by that would have been in a revenue division really for taxes and TT Bizlink. Again, we've already put workarounds for that. So that the service, while not being done through TT Connect, is fully available and has been available and remains available. But that front of TT Connect is not there. This speaks to comes again in the real, and I say this in the real because these the instruction I gave was very clear. Instruction was that even if the site is done, if you were to go to the URL, there should be a message there redirecting you to what has to happen. Mm -hmm. if, if, if you are having problems using the service, there are numbers to call. There are places to support. The same TT Connect call center will support you and redirect you in what you need to do. Again, it speaks to uh, getting that message out effectively and being mm -hmm. able to do that. We well, have the only way to get that message out is to... Uh Advertise on Power 102 Digital. I I, 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 I I would subscribe that Power 102 Digital represents a major archery because of your listenership. And, and I like the idea that it's a digital station. So well, I'll let my uh, people call you. We'll have no objection from this minister. Lovely. Okay. Um, anything um, anything else, guys, before we wrap up? No, no. no. Good. Richard, you're on mute. Yeah, I'm good. I know you talked about all of the legislation and etc. and all of the plans, but for Trinidadians and Tobagonians particularly who occupy this space and are listening and watching, when can we, when can they expect that a lot of this is going to translate in making their lives better? A year's time, six months time, in the next two years? Richard, it is happening now. If you are someone in, and is it Tom in the Belmont area, for example? With, and I'm using the ICT center as the simplest example. It is a place where, if you are a student and you have problems, you have no internet, no device, no anything, you can go there, it's provided for you. If you are a person who wants to access a service of any type, it doesn't have to be a government service, anything you want to do, you can walk into that place and get it. If you're just a casual man passing, listen, 
Let me check something on the Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi is available throughout the complex, and it's right there on Journeyham Avenue. They have people within that complex who are there specifically, trained people paid for by the ministry to assist you in doing what you're doing. The people of Lisa Gardens, the people of, of where we just did yesterday in Cayman, the places that we're going to next in Gonzales, and all of those things represent tangible ways in which the citizenry is being impacted. As we continue to roll out services ministry by ministry, division by division, agency by agency, the next significant one I think that will happen will be in the place that I think you uh, Paul raised it, or, or you, probably you raised it, Richard, which is in family services and social development. The fact that we don't have, we wouldn't have people standing up outside in the sun and in the rain trying to register for something that they can be done otherwise. But if you live, think about what the Ministry of Works and Transport is doing with its mobile caravan. It is taking the licensing division for certain services to the people. That is only being able to be done if you have the technology that underpins and supports it. So there are things that are there. And again, Richard, you're probably right. We are not doing a good enough job communicating the things that are incrementally happening. And probably people waiting for the big bang, for the launch of the e-identity or the launch of the discount, while things are happening around them to make their lives easier and better. Mm. Um, my last um, issue, Minister, and this may not come under you, but we discussed it earlier on, why are we still filling out forms on an airplane to hand to immigration when we come in? Again, that is not a technology conversation. The, the required ministry that handles immigration and so on would be would need to say, look, we are going in this direction of the mm -hmm. forms. I just uh, they did say that. They did say that maybe we, about we what, four or five idea. years ago. No, but this, what I'm saying to you, that is not a technology problem. Yeah, yeah. We take that, that point. Is, that is a different kind of problem. It's the a Trinidad problem. The way you want to address that, and, and I mean, I don't want to speak to it because I, I am not involved in the inner workings of why it has been the way it has. But the idea, be, and I'm sure the, the relevant minister can explain it, but I could tell you this, it's not a technology problem. Mm. A lot of the things that need to be established exist in other places in the world. It is a question of its adoption and integration. And dare I say culturalization mm -hmm. from Trinidad and Tobago. But the, the technology to do, we built travel pass in two weeks. Mm. And while people didn't like it, and while people would prefer that they didn't have to do it, it worked until we until we were told to turn it off. Yeah, yeah. And lived in a different place. I, I, I was saying I just sent my son back to school in, in Canada. And we had to, I, had, I usually do their forms for them, even though they can. I simply sit down and do all of it on my computer. And that form is nine pages. Mm. It's, nine, it's nine sets of different sets of information that you yeah. have to do. But when you do it and you go to Canada, you walk to immigration, you do your thing on the machine and you're gone. Right. Even your customs form you fill out before you mm. even to go on the plane. So there are, there are advantages to doing that. But the, the issue there will not be technology, trust me. So, so let me ask you. Okay, just, just one more question. And, and I know we touched on it when we started. The issue of, um, which is now moot in a, in a kind of way, the, the issue of digital vaccination cards that were touted. Where were you? Oh, no, so oh, I could tell you. I could yeah, tell you. Let me, let, me, let me deal with that directly again. The digital vaccination cards was not a requirement of the Ministry of Health. The Ministry of Health's mandate was to get vaccinations in arms. Mm. What we saw were, were two things that could come out of that. Because so many people were getting these vaccines, we said, you know, it might be a bad idea to put in a digital process to capture all this information and then create or utilize a technology so that you have a digital version of your vaccination card, specifically for COVID. And then, you know, we could actually take that and turn it into something else, which goes along with what the health Ministry of Health wants to do, which is to have electronic vaccination cards. That was, yeah. but the ministry's focus was on getting vaccines into arms. When we we saw we said, let's introduce some of the technology pieces into that, and the ministry looked at it and said, you know, this may dissuade some people for coming to vaccines if we make part of the process an electronic process. And while that may sound strange, we, you see it all the time. People wouldn't, 
But we ain't going in. I had to make out things for this and that. But you see, that, that is part of my problem, you know, Minister. Yeah. Anytime you start to say, well, maybe there are some people, it's either you have a vision or you don't. You, and if you, you have a vision, get. you get people on board, and those who don't want to get on board have to get on board if they want to access certain services. But and I'm talking is. broadly here. I'm no, talking broadly here. No, I because you made a, you, earlier you had made a comment about the unbank or unbankable yes. and etc. And part of the society, the society has to have a vision. If this is the way we are moving, this is the way where you have to, to get on board. But as a responsible government, you cannot do that in such a precipitate way. And in the case of what the Ministry of Health was doing, we were in a pandemic. And we, the Ministry of Health, in its wisdom, we are not going to introduce anything that in any way could dissuade any member of the public from being vaccinated. Whether mm -hmm. they have an ID card, whether they have, come, we will vaccinate you. Yeah, and that was their mandate. What that, but so we said, okay, we did it. The, the digital um, vaccination certificate relative to, to COVID has been ready for months. Mm. Its relevance in the local landscape would have been when you, you had these zones where you needed to present uh, your your vaccination status to get in. That went away some time ago. The one that would have driven us to launch it would have been countries that had said that they were only going to accept digital uh, vaccination certificates. Mm. And we had heard that there were countries that were moving towards that type of implementation. In that case, the subset of people who would really need it would be people who were traveling. But the, mm. we, we did all the work. The technology exists. It's sitting there. We can launch it if we want. But it, it does mean that because the focus of the Ministry of, of Health was to get vaccinations in arms, it means that not everyone who is vaccinated, their information is accurately and currently stored where it is. And that, and that would represent uh, something that is very, very important in the world of ICT. The integrity of data is key. Because if, if, if the integrity of the data is not good, then the efficacy of the service will be tremendously affected. So what that means is that if all your information is in the solution as contained by the mission, is perfect and good, fine. We launch a system, you apply, you, you go online, get it in, you get back your certificate immediately. No problem at all. Again, like I said, the technology exists. What happens if you apply for it and you don't get it? Then we have to have a mechanism, a support mechanism that will assist you to get what you are trying to get. And it is those things, the, the, the complete end-to-endness of understanding what it takes to launch something and be able to continue and operate and support it is where the delays normally are. It's not in the creation of the technology. It's in the processes and the ability to update it. The Power 102 digital website, for example, is a living, breathing thing. It was To set it up was fairly simple, but to continuously operate it, maintain it, information on it current take out things that are not supposed to be there all of that requires significant work so when we talk about this new way and end-to-end -end, we are talking about considering all of those aspects of what is there before we do something richard your point about making a statement and saying this is what we're going to do and stick to it a good example of us declaring something creating a way for it to be done and never stopping the old process was for example tax returns we said, we're not printing any more tax return forms. You had to do this thing online with that. But we never enforced it to the point where we said, the only way you can do it is this way. We've always provided an option. And that is part of the dilemma that we have. The US embassy, for example, when it changed its rules that the only way you could apply is via electronics, it was imposed on us. Mm -hmm. What happened then? And, and, and this speaks to the creativity of people in Trinidad and Tobago. The next thing you know, is tent started to show up on streets around the embassy where you could take your documents and they will do it for you for a fee. So the, the, the creativity of all people speaks to if you do something that is precipitate, then they will find a way uh, to assist the people who can't do it. But the state cannot leave it up to some entrepreneur to figure that out. If we are going to do something like that, then we have to put the support mechanisms in place. And that speaks to that, that support function that I was speaking about that must exist at a global level and be commonly accessed by all. But the technology is there, it's ready. The system, if we wanted to launch it tonight, we could.
Minister. Thank you so much, Minister. Thank you once again for joining. Yeah, I, I realize I got to show up on, 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 on Power One or Two Digital more often. This might be the way for me to actually get my message out. Just come and check out here once every two weeks. I got to sign a contract with Paul. I know, Paul, I know what you do. No, but it, it is, it is it's enlightening to speak to people who, who bring the everyday issues of the people directly to the ministry. And in this case, to the minister. There are a number of really talented people in the ministry who can speak as eloquently on as and and on other things and even more technically uh, on some of the things that we're doing and i think that also represents something that needs to be done it's not always the minister to come and talk about it there are talented people in the ministries themselves who can speak to this and and part of what we have to do is to get those people out there as well I IT people talk a kind of foreign language, you know, Minister. I, I, I stay away from IT people in general. <laughs> I, 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 I agree with you. They think differently. They operate <laughs> differently. Yeah, yeah. You'll find no argument with media at all. Yeah, I don't like it. All right. <laughs> I'm not saying I don't like them. I'm saying they talk differently. No, <laughs> I hear you. But thanks, thanks a million. All right, folks, thank all you. Thanks for the opportunity and, and, and thank you for the, for the questions and, and the, the way in which you put things over. I, I think my compliments again to, to Power 102 Digital for, for being the pioneer that it is. And I hope that you continue to, to grow from strength to strength. And uh, maybe you'll see soon enough people following in your footsteps. Maybe you'll be able to help and guide them along mm -hmm. the way as well. So my compliments. Minister Backus, thank you so much for being on uh, Power 22 Digital and the Power Breakfast Show. Thank you so much. All right. Thanks, guys. All right. All the best. Be safe. Thank you for choosing Power 22 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, share, and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.